I want to thank you for listening so carefully. Everybody here, you listened so well as the choir sang, as the junior church folks sang for us. I want to thank all of you in junior church who were in there here this morning and that are usually downstairs and you've been listening very well. You've been very still and quiet and I appreciate that. That takes hard work and you've been doing a good job of it. I'm going to speak very briefly just for a couple of minutes this morning, but I'm going to ask you for your very best attention and I think you'll enjoy what we have to say. The birth of Jesus Christ begins the 33 most important years in world history. Well, Pastor, that's, that's a little strong. I'm not sure I'd go so far as to say that. Everything else that has ever happened before the birth of Jesus Christ and after the birth of Jesus Christ was not possible if it were not for the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is a just and a holy God. And listen, God has put up with an awful lot from man in our human existence. But the the reason that God has been able to be so patient with mankind, so so tolerant, so long-suffering, is because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, the manger in Bethlehem is the first of three great places in this 33 years of human history. The manger in Bethlehem. I had the privilege when I was 20 years old to go to Israel and to see the manger, and believe it or not, the not the manger, but the uh, the stable. And uh, I had always pictured, you know, what we have in our houses and what we have in our lawns—a a wooden structure. But it's actually it's a cave carved out of stone, tiny little cave. I would be about like this going in that cave, uh, just just small little place. That was the stable where he was born. The second location that is of major significance of world history is a place known that we know of as Calvary or Golgotha. And that is the place where Jesus was crucified. I also had the privilege to, to visit there and to stand there. The fact is, when I visited, I don't know if this is true today, but when I visited that place, it was a, it was a bus station right there in front of where the place of the skull is. Golgotha is where Jesus was crucified, and Golgotha means the place of a skull. And when you look at that hillside, and you can even look at this online, if you, if you Google Golgotha, you will see this rocky hillside, and you can see the image of a skull naturally in that hillside. And that's why it was called Golgotha, and it was where they put to death, executed their criminals. And Jesus, it is believed, was actually crucified in front of that hillside. The third location is, believe it or not, just a little ways down along that same basic hillside. And it's a place where a wealthy man, archaeologists can tell clearly a wealthy man, owned. uh, he, He had a vineyard there and a garden and a tomb. 
The strange thing about this tomb is that there's no body in it. It's an empty tomb. And so it is uh, assumed, thought, after much research, they have come to the conclusion that that is the tomb where Jesus was buried and from which he rose again. Three amazing locations in world history, all within 33 years of one another. The place where Jesus was born, the place where he was crucified, and the place from which he rose, in which he rose from the dead. Three great places, three great events, the birth of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. And to those three great places on those three great events are tied three amazing truths. Listen carefully. The first amazing truth, God became a man. That always boggles my mind. The Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The song, O Come All Ye Faithful, says that very thing. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. God's word took on a bodily form, and his name was Jesus Christ. To those who say, well, religion is all the same. They're all the same. Listen, there is no other doctrine or teaching in the history of the world that teaches that God became a man. God took on a human body, and he lived in this world, And he was what we were supposed to be. You see, you and I, no matter how good a person you are compared to other people, compared to what God made us to be, we are all sinners. We are all rebellious. That's why God made us to lie. I'm sorry, God made us to tell the truth, and we've all lied. God made us to deal honestly, and we've all cheated and stolen in some ways in our, in, our, in our life. God made us to love, and we've all hated. We've all had hate in our heart. And we could go all, the, all through the Ten Commandments and see that the way we operate is completely opposite of the way that God made us to be. Do you know that if... If you were not a sinner against God, that you would absolutely be in love, totally in love with God. Oh, you say, I am. I bet a careful inspection of your own lifestyle would prove otherwise. I'm the pastor of the church, and I do my very best to do a good job, but I can tell you my life is not a testament of someone that is 100% in love with God as I ought to be. None None of our lives is. And you go right on through those Ten Commandments and you will see that our hearts rebel against those Ten Commandments on a daily basis. Why? Because God has given us all a choice. You can make me your God or you can be your own God. And we've all chosen to be our own God. That's what the Bible calls sin. It calls it rebellion. We have rebelled against our creator. The human race is a fallen race. The human race is a fallen race. And you are a member of the human race. 
And you, if you're old enough to understand what I'm saying, you have made the conscious choice to be your own God instead of making God your God. Well, that comes with a penalty, and that penalty is death, eternal death, damnation. You're not going to be sentenced to eternal damnation someday. You've already been sentenced to eternal damnation. The Bible says that. I didn't make that up. He that believeth not is condemned already, the Bible says. You say, well, pastor, this doesn't sound like a, a Christmas idea. Oh, that's what, that's what Christmas is all about because God loved you so much that he didn't want you to face the sentence of your sin. He doesn't want you to face the condemnation that comes with your sin. That's why he sent his son. And his son lived a perfect life. He's the only human being who has ever lived who did not sin against God. He was God. He was perfect. And he was qualified to lay down his life as your substitute. That brings us to the second amazing truth. The first amazing truth is God became a man. The second amazing truth is that Jesus became sin for us. That, that blows my mind just as much as the truth that God became a man. Jesus, the Son of God, became sin. Every sin you've ever committed, every lie you've ever told, every bit of greed, every bit of pride, every bit of lust, every bit of every kind of sin that you and I are guilty of when Jesus hung on the cross in some, by some miraculous means that I don't understand, but I believe it because God says so, Jesus became the embodiment of all of that sin all at once. You think of every despicable, evil, wicked, vile act that's ever been committed, including the ones that you have committed and that I have committed. And that's who Jesus was when he hung on the cross. If I can say this, you see that picture of that woman that she and her husband walked into the Christmas party in California? And just started killing people. And every time you see that picture, something in you goes. Jesus became that woman's sin. Well, she doesn't deserve that. Yeah, and you don't deserve for him to become your lies either. And I don't deserve for for him to become my, my pride either. It was an act of love and mercy and grace that caused Jesus to become the embodiment of all of our sin. Jesus died for the sins of all mankind who would ever live, even those before he was crucified, all the way back to Adam and Eve. He died for every sin that was ever committed. And that's the second great truth. Jesus became sin for us. He was buried... And three days later, the third location, the empty tomb, the third great event, Jesus rose from the dead. And here's the third great truth. Jesus conquered death for every human being. Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death. You don't have to 
face the sentence of your sin. You don't have to face eternal condemnation. You can live forever. Oh, pastor, that's just fairy tale stuff. Well, that's the decision you have to make. Do you believe God when he says, whosoever believeth in Jesus hath everlasting life? That's the promise of this book. That's the promise, by the way, the same book that told us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that told us that Jesus died on the cross, that told us that Jesus rose from the dead. That very same book says that if you will believe on Jesus, you will live forever. So the message of the manger is that there's a cross. The message of the cross is that there's an empty tomb. The message of the empty tomb says that if you will believe on the Son of God born into, onto, to the earth in the manger and crucified on the cross and risen from the dead, if you will trust him for yourself, you will receive forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. This week, hopefully everybody in this room will be handed at least one gift from somebody that you love and you'll have a choice will I receive it I'm not sure I've ever been handed a gift in my life that I didn't accept when someone hands you a gift the, the gracious response is to receive it and take it as your own because somebody loved you enough to give that to you God loved you enough to send his son to be born into this world, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for your sins, to rise from the dead so that you could be forgiven and receive everlasting life. And he extends to you the gift of Jesus Christ. If you will take him, you will be forgiven of all your sins and have everlasting life. You say, it can't be that easy. Oh, the Bible says it is. Same Bible says, yes, it is. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. By grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Repeatedly, many other times, the Bible uses the word gift. gift. You can't work for a gift. You can't earn a gift. All you can do with a gift is receive it. If you have never received Jesus Christ... Here's your opportunity. I beg you not to miss it. Don't postpone it. You may not be presented it as clearly as you have been today. Let's talk to God for a minute before we go. Father, I thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. I thank you that this is not just about the birth of a baby. But that baby became a man. That man lived a completely perfect life he never sinned one time never told a lie never had a never hated any person never stole never cursed never did all the things that all of us have engaged in because he was God and he had no sin in him but when he allowed himself to be nailed to that cross he took all of our sin upon himself and he paid for our sin in full. Nobody has to die and go to hell for our sin. Nobody, none of us does. Because Jesus already took our sin for us. He rose from the dead conquering death. Thank you for the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ.
Could you keep your heads bowed for just a moment? We're going to be leaving in just a couple of minutes. But before we go, I wonder if there's someone here this morning in this good crowd who has never received God's gift of eternal life for yourself. You can do that right now, and I'll show you how. If you say, yes, I, if, I know I've sinned against God. God says I'm a sinner. I know that. And you know that you deserve whatever God says you deserve. God's the righteous judge of the universe. If God says we deserve eternal damnation, then there's no way out of that. We deserve what God says we deserve. But Jesus Christ already took our sentence for us. He already died in our place. He rose again and conquered death. And if you want to make him your savior, there's no place you got to sign. There's nothing you have to join. There's not even any physical action you have to take. You don't have to promise, okay, I'll, I'll come to church every Sunday for the rest of No, uh-uh, that's not it at all. It's a decision you make in your heart, and then you tell God that you've made that decision. So if you've already said, yes, I want Jesus as my Savior, then all you got to do is tell him right there where you are. If you've never taken Jesus as your Savior before, but you, you, you choose to do that today, talk to God. Here's what you say. Just between you and God. Dear God, I know that I have sinned against you. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want to go to hell. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead and conquering death. Right now, I receive you as my Savior. Come into my heart and save my soul. I trust you to take me to heaven when I die. Help me to live for you. Now, let me remind you, still with our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me remind you, those aren't magic words. There's no magic words that you can say that changes everything. It's you telling God what you did in your heart. And if you prayed to God and you meant that, then God promises he saved you. You have God's promise. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. That promise is found in the Bible again and again. Scores of times you can find promises in the Bible to say, if you believe on Jesus, God immediately gives you everlasting life. I wonder who's here this morning that said, Pastor, before today, I had never made the choice. You may have known about it, but I never actually made the choice for myself. But just now when you prayed that prayer, I prayed with you, and I asked Jesus to save me. Would you slip? Would nobody looking but me? Would you slip up your hand and say, yeah, just now I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Praise the Lord. Someone else, you say, yeah, just now when you prayed that, I prayed with you, Pastor. I received Jesus as my Savior. Lord, you see the hands, you see the hearts. Now I pray that you'd give the folks that raised their hands and trusted Jesus today an unshakable assurance that their sins are forgiven, that they have everlasting life. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for your unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. We are so blessed. Thank you. Let's all stand together this morning. Instead of an uh, altar call as we ordinarily would have, let's just thank God this morning.
for our salvation. Would you sing with me if you know the song, God is so good. Would you sing it? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good. Amen. He died for me. Sing. He died for me. He died for me. He died for me. He's so good to He rose again. Sing. He rose again. He rose again. He so good to and he saved my soul he saved my soul he saved my soul he saved my soul he's so good very good I love him so I love him so I Amen. Brother Freddie's going to come make a couple of announcements.